Hey, what's going on guys? It's Jamie. Thank you for joining me in this episode. I'm going to be covering six psychological factors that make people want to buy stuff. Going to be pretty awesome. She'll catch you guys right after this. Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back. My name is Jamie Gardner. I'm a full-time affiliate marketer and coach for a program. We've got well over 650 students absolutely smashing it with their affiliate marketing business. If you'd like to learn more about what we're up to, feel free to check out the free case study at jgcall.com. That's jgcall.com if you want to check that out. Otherwise, feel free to hit the subscribe button. I've been in the industry for around about a decade at the time of recording, and this is me just talking about what I do in my business on a day-to-day basis, some of the mindset shifts that I've had to make in order to start crushing it online, and how you can start replicating some of the results that I've been able to get and start doing well and better in your business. Awesome stuff. So anyway, without further ado, let's dive straight into it. I'm going to get into the uh, six psychological factors that allow people to buy stuff. What are we talking about today? Let's jump straight over. So uh, the first thing to bear in mind is that no one is going to buy your stuff unless there's an element of trust, first of all. They need to know and like you, secondly. And hopefully, if they trust you, then they probably like you to a certain extent. Uh, And yeah, they feel like they know you if they've seen your content around. So how exactly do you go about doing this? So this is number one. The very first part is you need to find common ground to build that no like and trust factor. And the reality is that people want to deal with people that are like them uh, and that they feel that they're connected to, to some degree. This is on an interpersonal basis, by the way. Of course, it's slightly different if you're creating uh, mass market content. But again, there still needs to be a trust factor there, okay? So one way that you can do this, especially if you are building rapport, whether that is through mediums such as uh, Facebook Messenger or Twitter or Instagram or whatever, when you're communicating with people on a one-to-one basis or or on a one-to-many basis, it really doesn't matter. People are going to look for commonalities. So you can also look for commonalities as well, especially if you are talking to people. And this helps you build rapport. And this also carries further over to your individual one-to-one sales calls as well. So have a look at things like, and I know this sounds a a little bit off-center here, but anything at all, something like a hat, any clubs that are part of, any associations, any places, there's something in the background that you can comment on. And the reason why that's really important is because if you can find that commonality, this is called an affinity bridge, and it's something that I learned from Dan Kennedy, if you're ever interested. And basically what that is, is something that allows you to make a subconscious connection with someone based on, can be the most tiniest little rapport building thing out there, okay? Um, So if you're prepping for a sales call, go do your homework first. So check out their Facebook profile, if if they have one, if you have access to it. Uh, if not, then maybe search through LinkedIn, things like that. And as I discussed, it, it's basically where you're able to look for affinity bridges. And all that is, it could be, the, like I said, the, the tiniest little thing. It could be, for example, I grew up in New Zealand. I'm, I'm a New Zealand citizen. I'm currently living in Australia. So if I spot a, a Kiwi accent, then I will make a comment from with that. Cool. can spot that accent. Are you from New Zealand originally? Yes, I am. What part? Me too. We're friends now. You know, nice and easy. So, number two, 
is know what your opening play is. And when I say that, what I mean is that people will fall into whatever frame that you give them. So to give you guys a, a little bit of a random example here, there's a study done. This is from a, a book called uh, The Psychology of Persuasion. It's by Dr. Robert Cialdini. Highly, highly recommended. Amazing book. It's a, it's a bit of a bit of a mission to read through it, but it's very, very, very well worth it. So essentially a study was done and uh, conducted asking for an email address in exchange for a bottle of water. And that had around about a 33% opt-in rate approximately. So that spiked to 76% when people were asked if they were adventurous before asking the opt-in question. So Imagine that you pre-frame someone, you walk up to someone, hey, excuse me one moment, strange question, but if you're someone who considers themselves to be adventurous, and because what happens is people want to be seen as different, what people want to be put into that frame, they, they, want to, they don't want to be like, no, I'm dull, I'm really dull, my life is boring. And of course, there's going to be outliers to that as well, understand that. But for the most part, people are going to say, yeah, absolutely, I'm adventurous, super adventurous. I'm the most adventurous person ever. Cool. How about I give you this bottle of water in exchange for an email address? Whoa, so I'm so adventurous. Oh my God, amazing. Bang, here you go. 76%, pretty crazy stuff. So the reason why this is powerful to understand is that it makes people highly vulnerable to aligned requests. It makes them highly vulnerable to aligned requests. What I mean by that and don't think for a minute I'm telling you to go and manipulate people either. But when you put someone in that frame, uh, and you can do that with sale, like a sales dynamic, and, and the way that you might do that is you can say something to the effect of, let me ask you a question, are you a decisive, do you feel, consider yourself a decisive person? And most people will say, yes. Of course, some people go, uh, well, um, uh, and clearly they're not, right? But most people are like, yeah, I'd say so, pretty, pretty decisive. Or you can frame it another way and you can make an implication. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you strike me as someone who comes across as quite decisive. Is that a fair assumption? Most people will say, yes, you have then put them in a frame. Now, what does that tell you when you're at the end of that sales process? They're not going to give you a maybe. The, sorry, the, the probability of them giving you a maybe, let me think about it, is lower because they don't want to commit forgery and say that they lied. <laughs> so they're going to give you a defined answer, yes or no, it's black and white. I would much rather have a no than end up chasing someone around the internet for a decade while they, they decide whether it's the right fit for them. And to give you guys a, a kind of a, a very unique example of this, there's a, a movie that came out, it's called Crazy Stupid Love. It's with um, Steve Carell, uh, Julianne Moore, I think, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, um, some other actors and actresses. I don't quite know their names. Apologies. But anyway, it, it's a comedy. It's a, uh, I guess you call it a rom-com, I think. But there's a scene there uh, where Steve Carell's character is uh, having a conversation. He's trying to pick up uh, the actress, uh, Marissa Tomei. And he says to her, to the effect of, you're the, uh, I'm meant to tell you that you're the perfect combination of, of sexy and cute. And he, he goes on with all this other stuff that he says, and I won't ruin the scenes. It's quite funny. However, she falls into that frame. 
she goes, you really think I'm sexy and cute? Um, and that is a, a kind of an example in, in a Hollywood movie. Um, right. Number three, highlight the best stuff. So what I mean by that is in a sales dynamic and, and assuming that you've asked the right questions, people will tell you what they want. So give them the goods. Don't talk about the stuff that's not relevant to their core issues. Okay. And this is something I see and hear a lot of salespeople really messing up and something that I've done many, many times as well. This is why I know, I know from experience. So heed my advice. Don't out talk someone from the sale. Like if they've described to you based on your questioning, if they've described to you what their problems are, they don't necessarily need to know. Like if they've told you, for example, that they have a finite window of time every day. So one of the biggest decision makers for them is whether something has uh, short modules that they can go through and start implementing straight away. And you're like, yeah, well, there's 800 hours of content in here. There's 475 modules and blah, blah, they're like overwhelmed, not interested. That is like their brain is turned off at that point. Right. So don't, don't outsell or don't out talk the sale. So here's another interesting one for them, the, the bit highlighting the best stuff. Uh, this is again from Ch uh, Cialdini or Cialdini, forgive me, I don't know how to pronounce that. Robert Cialdini, um, uh, what's it called? Persuasion, the psychology of persuasion. No, was it? Ah, oh, now, damn it, now I've forgotten. Now I'm, all, I'm on the spot and I'm recording. Oh, of course my brain decides to go play. Um, psychology, the, the, no, was it? The psychology of persuasion, Robert Cialdini. Um, anyway, oh, sorry, influence, there we go. I knew it would come to me. Influence, the psychology of persuasion, Dr. Robert Cialdini. Anyway, right. So one of the other things that was spoken about in that book is clouds and coins. And a study showed that having clouds on the front page of a furniture store versus coins impacted, impacted people's perception and their wants. Meaning that the people buying mattresses, it would increase. Their perception was different because it had clouds. What are clouds representative of? And, and I guess, historically speaking, softness. They're, like, they're all fluffy. You just want to go and play, and play in the clouds. But coins, because they were trying to illustrate perhaps saving, it's not, a, not as important. It, it's something more physical and it's not entirely relatable to a nice comfy mattress, for argument's sake, or a nice comfy pillow. Pretty cool stuff, right? So... Moving on, number four, strengths from weaknesses. So this is something that Frank Kern refers to as a damaging self-admission. And you can actually take it to the extreme. There's something that I've read from Ben Settle, which takes that to the extreme. And it's basically where you uh, take that to the next level. You, you're, you're pretty much flagellating the bad parts of what it is that you're selling. And because you're trying to polarize your audience, trying to push away the people that you can't serve. Okay. And the chief aim with this is to give people reasons why it's not the right fit for them because you've laid all the cards on the table. You've basically gone out there and gone, you know, this is crap. It's going to take hard work. You have to do this. You have to change the way that you view this type of stuff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the chief aim of it is to build trust. Because, of course, 
if you have something that's too good to be true, and, and to, to pre-frame this, what Frank would often do is put a, an incredible headline which captures the imagination of people, and it's a big, bold promise a lot of the time. And, of course, there is an inherent level of skepticism when there is a big, bold promise there. And so, of course, you need to build that trust factor because otherwise people, the, the BS radar, the bullshit radar is so highly dialed in these days, they're going to think, well, what's wrong with it? And then you're like, well, here's what's wrong. <laughs> let me let me just tell you what's wrong before you go any further. Um, and to give you just a, a bit of a, a strange analogy there, um, there's something that is <laughs> it, kind of like the whole keeping up with the Joneses thing. And, and it's kind of like, look, I know our wanky craft beer selection is triple the investment you need anywhere else, but at least you'll be able to post on social media to prove you hang out at all the hit places, all while secretly loathing the constant need to keep up with the Joneses. Damaging self-admission. It's implying because of the, the, the craft beer, because it's a small batch brewery, and it's probably has higher costs to develop that beer. So therefore that gets passed on to the consumer through the supply chains, of course. Right? So it's damaging self-admission. The whole reason for this is that you look hip when you go to these cool places. Strange analogy, I know, but hopefully that makes sense. All right, number five, boo to competitors. So one of the issues that does tend to pop up in a sales dynamic is, well, what's the difference between you guys and, and the uh, next person? So you can acknowledge the competitors if, if the topic does happen to arise. I wouldn't try to bring that up if, if you can avoid it. But try to divert the topic. I think that no matter how you look at it, if you if you talk down about a competitor, if you talk up, there's no real thing that's going to leave that conversation in a good light for your brand and your offer. And so I think if you can try to avoid it as best as you can, that's the, the best course of action. And so, you know, there are going to be times, though, where the topic does remain on that. They're going to, no, I'd like to hear the difference. And you can do things like you can leverage the customer experience to highlight the difference in yours. Because they might say, well, I've already got this thing. I've already, I already know all that stuff. Okay, okay. Are you getting the results that you desire out of that? What's been your experience so far? How long did it take you to learn those things? The reason why we're able to justify our higher pricing is because we get results for our students. Are you getting the results that you desire? We're clearly on the sales call for a reason. What is that reason? You came to me, remember? Like, you know, whatever it is for you guys, hopefully that makes sense. All right, we're sort of racing through these, but hopefully these are giving a ton of value. Number six, scarcity sells. These are these are buying triggers that are going to serve you very well if you incorporate them into anything you're doing, regardless of whether it's in a sales dynamic, one-to-one, one-to-many, if you're uh, doing it on Facebook, organic, on anything else, these are, are kind of like the bee's knees, in my opinion. So uh, first of all, start with the old classic FOMO. And uh, no, it doesn't mean flying otters make orphans. It means fear of missing out. Oh man, I need another coffee. It's been a long morning. All that means is fear of missing out. People don't like to miss out on stuff. That's why New Year's Day sales and Boxing Day sales and Black Friday sales and was it Cyber Monday sales work so well. Halloween sales, you, you name it, right? All, there's a whole bunch of them out there. 
only one day left before you miss out on this discount. People don't like missing out. You'll never get the opportunity to buy this thing again, even though you're saving 5%. You know, <laughs> human psychology is a strange thing, isn't it? So FOMO is the first thing. How do you think you could manufacture some FOMO in your online world? One way would be, for example, using things like countdown timers with a genuine scarcity on the other side. Maybe the cart page closes after the countdown timer uh, expires. Maybe you have genuinely limited supplies. Now, of course, if you're doing a digital product, you know, don't bullshit your crowd and imply that you're running out of hard disk space for your PDFs. Like don't, you know, you don't need to do that, but you can cap out the numbers. This is something I spoke about in a recent podcast as well. You can cap out those numbers and genuinely cap them out. Hey, this is only available for the next 12 people. Once 12 people take it, you know, it's all gone. Uh, you can have, and going back to my earlier point, you can have a discount, but it expires at midnight tonight, expires in 24 hours, expires in a week's time. And that is incorporating uh, FOMO as well because people don't want to miss out. And like I say, the, the real huge thing on all this is that it needs to be real, okay? You can't just imply a false scarcity. You can't just imply a false scarcity. People, people read through the lines real, real quick. What do you mean there's a limited supply of PDFs? It's absolutely ridiculous. Unless there genuinely is, unless you have sold a hundred copies and you, you genuinely clo close that car page down, which you, know, you genuinely don't want that information getting out there. And you, and you do genuinely close that car page down. And what that'll do is there'll be some people that'll go, oh, I thought that was just a BS false scarcity tactic, which strangely enough, if they do encounter a closed car page at that point, guess what it does? It increases the trust factor of you as a brand because you haven't bullshitted them. You've been genuine with your approach and you've closed that car page, which is really, really powerful. So that's the, uh, that's the six uh, major ways uh, of buying triggers. And I think if you start integrating these into your uh, business, whether it's online or offline, then you do pretty well. So it's going to hone through those ones uh, yet again. So number one is finding common ground that builds the no like and trust factor with your audience. Remember that a lot of the time that uh, people don't buy because of you. Sorry, truck going past my house. <laughs> so loud, it's annoying. A lot of the time people will buy based on who you are, not necessarily even the product itself. So find that common ground, build that relationship. Know what your opening play is. If you set a frame for someone, they're more likely to fall into it. Cool, you know, maybes are, maybes are for babies. So you strike me as someone who's a decisive person. So at the end of this call, are you happy with just giving me either a yes or no? You know, it doesn't, you don't need to jump into it if it's not the right fit for you, but I'd rather just have a yes or no. They will fall into that frame. Um, strike me as someone who's open to the idea of investing themselves for the right op opportunity. Yes. Number three, highlight the best stuff. Highlight the best stuff. And now, this, just to circle back to this one as well, because I don't want this to be misconstrued. I'm not suggesting for a moment that you omit information. I'm not saying that you hide elements that don't serve that person. 
I'm not saying that you bullshit to your audience and get them involved in something that doesn't serve them. However, there is a massive difference between highlighting the best stuff as in talking about the, the stuff that's actually beneficial that you have spoken about, that you have questioned them on, that is relevant to solving their immediate problems, as opposed to just talking yourself out of a sale by adding in a whole bunch of irrelevant information. So just be very mindful of that one. Uh, and find strengths from weaknesses. And, and again, sometimes that really is just about having that damaging self-admission. Yeah, one of the things I talk about, and if you'd like to go check out the free case study on this, go to jgcall.com, show you how to go from anywhere from zero right up to $20,000 in high ticket commissions over the next 60 to 90 days. There's a link in there to book a call with myself if you're interested in learning more about how I can help you out with your business. However, I would be the first one to say that this online stuff takes a lot of work shit is hard don't let those sales pages fool you you have to invest in yourself you have to be consistent and persistent over a sustained period and you will build your brand but and you will live a life that is probably enviable to a lot of people you can develop your own income you become more confident in your income there's a whole bunch of benefits and in my opinion they massively 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 outstrip the potential negatives but that is what I just did there. I just gave you guys the truth. Shit is hard. It's very hard. <laughs> don't don't let the done for yous and the easy and the all that stuff and the systems and whatnot fool you. They are not sustainable. It takes work and self development and updates your mindset and updates your financial thermostat and you have to be willing to take self responsibility and you have to put in the work and you have to be consistent with that work. Even when life gets in the way, you know, what I'm telling you guys is, Hey, I can help you out. I have a clear pathway to hitting your goals. I can help you hit five, 10, 15, 20 K per month. Cause I've done that with my students before, but be under no illusion. It's hard. So what's the strength in, from the weakness, the, the, the weaknesses that it takes a lot of work. The strength is that I've just been real with you guys. So anyone that does jump on that call and jumps on, on the case study and then decides to book in a call with myself, they're not under false expectations. I'm actually laying it on the table. Hey, this is hard. Might not be the right fit for you. That's completely cool. Damaging self-admission. Like it would be easier and I'd be able to make so many more sales and say, hey, it's easy. Anyone can do it. You don't need any skills. You only need to, you know, you only need to work for like three minutes a day and you can make you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars per month. It's easy, easy, easy. Like that would be easier i'd make way more sales but i'm not serving my audience by doing so all right boo to competitors and again don't you don't necessarily need to be shitting on your competitors as well uh one of the tactics that i, I tend to rely on is working out how my coaching or my products or my services can align with what the other people are doing align with their goals to give you an example someone might be involved in a program that has a heavy skew towards paid traffic so of course if i can highlight okay well do you have much of a, uh, an ad budget set aside in order to test things no have you considered organic marketing no i haven't 
what's that like? Well, you don't need any ad budget or anything. It's all, you're exchanging time for money, of course, but it, it's leveraged time and time for money. Buddha competitors. So when those topics arise, when it comes to the competition, like I say, it's not about bad-mouthing those, comp those uh, competition. Ideally, you want to spend minimal time and have a neutral opinion either way. And again, if it does keep popping up, then you can leverage the customer experience and to highlight the potential difference in yours. How long did it take you to get those results? What are the struggles that you're currently in? Why are you in this particular situation right now? Those are things that are going to help move the needle. And finally, number six, scarcity sales. Like I say, um, this is really just leveraging things like FOMO, fear of missing out, adding things like countdown timers, having limited supplies of things, uh, the expiry of a discount offer, uh, and, and the big caveat or caveat, however you like to interpret that word. I say caveat, but it's probably probably wrong. Who cares? Uh, you got to make it real, right? Make it, make it real. Don't be like flogging. Oh, there's only three eBooks left in this thing. I've, I've got a, a magic pile of eBooks online and I'm running out of disk space and well, you know, you better jump in quick because I'm, I'm gen genuinely running out of them. Have real scarcity. And to give you a real life example of, of genuine real scarcity in recent times, consulting.com, Sam Ovens, fellow Kiwi, uh, he had a sale recently with, they used to give this amazing pack when you buy consulting.com and they would physically mail it to your address. And Sam decided to take a, a slight change in his business, maybe cost saving, maybe just looking after the environment a little bit more, decided to stop that from heading out the door. So he made a discount and this was the last weekend that you could buy these 800 remaining units of this thing and get these sent out to your house, which I think is pretty cool. A genuine scarcity behind that right hopefully this helps you guys out massively appreciate you tuning in if you did get any value feel free to hit the subscribe button like i say if you're interested in learning how you can go from zero or maybe you already got some traction in your business you'd like to start scaling that beyond ten thousand up to twenty thousand etc feel free to go to jgcall.com check out the free case study lock in a time with myself if you'd like to have a chat see how i can help you out with your business my name is Jamie Gardner. appreciate you guys tuning in and I'll catch you in the next one. Cheers.